So glad that everybody's here, amen. There's no other place to be. This is where things are happening, right here, right now. So I welcome everybody to Recovery House of Worship Brooklyn. For those who do not know me, I am Pastor Gus. I am one of the associate pastors here. I'm grateful to be in that position, but I realize first and foremost that all I want to do is serve. I don't want to do anything else but serve the Lord and serve his people, amen? And often that comes with great uh, criticism and great concern, but someone once told me the other day, he said, turn your critics into coaches. And I am so grateful for that word because it's helped me to have a new perspective on feedback and what people talk about or say and how they deliver it at times. It allows me to look at myself because it all starts with us, right? We say, keep the focus, right? What is it? Hocus. You, you guys got that, so that's good. But just, I want to keep the focus on myself, and if there's any opportunity I have to be a blessing and to change, I want to be able to do that. This text we just read, you cannot read this text until you read the text before and the text after it, so it's important that you kind of wrap your head around what Paul is doing. First of all, if you don't know by now, if you've read the Bible, the Corinthians are in a mess. Like, they're a hot mess. It took two letters to try to correct all their problems, Okay? And the truth of the matter is, we're all a mess, aren't we? We all need some kind of guidance and correction, because at the end of the day, left to our own devices, we're going to wreck things. You know, I don't know how to do what I'm supposed to do in the roles that God has allowed me to be, whether it's a husband, a father, a friend, a pastor, a teacher, whatever it is. I don't know how to do that unless I learn, but I have to be able to learn from God. I can't take it upon myself. I've had a lot of information in my life, and a lot of misinformation. In fact, the people that gave me the information, it didn't work for them but they were giving it to me. So it got transferred you know, from one generation to the other. And it's a great story because there was this, this story about this you know, uh, lady who was you know, uh, cooking a, a, a turkey, right? And putting it in a pan, and the pan looked a little too small, right? But you know, the lady kept cutting off the legs of the turkey. And the daughter asked, like, you know, why are you cutting the legs of the turkey off? She says, oh, that's how grandma did it. So go ask your grandma. She went and asked her grandma, she asked Grandma, why did they cut off the turkey legs? She says, your mom is still doing that? I had a small pan. That's the reason I did it that day. <laughs> so a lot of times, we're doing stuff that we've gotten from other people that doesn't necessarily jive with what we're supposed to be doing today. And it's important for us to see that what Paul was addressing here was an issue that some of us have misinterpreted. And I want to be able to somehow bring some correction about it because sometimes... We take a scripture and we kind of run with it, but don't realize the essence of it. And what Paul was doing here, Paul was giving up his rights. Paul was turning over his rights. If you read before that, there's a cross in the scripture that talks about how the church is supposed to care for those who are sowing seeds in their lives. That's a message for another day. But he was extremely clear in saying, you don't have to pay me because I'm going to work for what I'm going to do. Because it's important for you to understand that one of the things he wants to make clear, he doesn't want to be beholden to anyone. He doesn't want to have to be nice to someone because that person is paying them. You understand what he's saying there? And a lot of times we see that in politics. We see where people, you know, politicize to get into office and they'll do anything. They'll take pictures with anybody at any time and act in a particular way. So Paul addresses that in this particular text because what he's essentially saying is that I became a servant to these people. I didn't become like them. And we use this scripture and says, well, I got to be like all people to win them to Christ. And that's not what he's saying there. He's not asking you to have a drink with someone to lead them to Christ. 
He's not asking you to act like them to win them to Christ. On the contrary, he's saying meet them where they are and serve them in a way that you can win them to Christ. So it's important that you understand that because in Christianity what begins to happen is that we suddenly become Christianized and we begin to lose the friends that we used to be with. And you have to understand that someone bold enough took a chance in stepping outside of their comfort zone, outside of their Christian castle, to venture out into the village to reach you and to reach me. He didn't become like me. On the contrary, every time they shared with me, they spoke about Jesus. But they also understood my condition. And that's one thing that we fail to realize at times is understanding the condition of people where they are. Now, it doesn't mean that we condone or support it. It doesn't mean that we celebrate it. It simply means that this is where we're going to meet you. This is where God is going to introduce himself to you. And sometimes it's abruptly and sometimes it's gradually. But slowly but surely, everyone in this room, at one time or another, someone talked to you about Jesus. Someone you walk past try to hand you a track. Someone tried to stop you. We were in... Um, J.C. Penny the other day, and there was a couple of ladies that stopped my wife. And I kind of like, you know, I kind of giggled. I said, go ahead, you try. And I walked away. <laughs> and, and they kind of walked away sad because my wife just wasn't happy yet. You know, they were trying, I don't know what they were saying. They were trying to say something about what God was, and she was like hitting them with scripture. And I was like, okay, I'm good. Let me just go look at something else. Like I was like waiting in the wings to try to jump in, but I was like, oh, she got this. Let me just walk away. But it's important for us to know what we know because people want to know. And they're going to ask you, what Paul does here, he enters into, and I want to go directly to the scripture to pull out of it so that you can see. If you, you, most of you have a bulletin in front of you, but it'll also be on the screen. Can you bring the scripture back up for me, please? <clears throat> now, Paul says something really profound here because I want to do is I want to go into the scripture in the New Living Translation as well. He says, I become one of them so that I can bring them to Christ. So he, he's very clear about what he's saying that he says, I'm not becoming like them, but I'm entering into their world and understanding who they are and what they need. He goes on further to say that and the reason he does this is we go further down. It says that the reason I'm doing this is because of the message. There was a message that he received. There was something that happened to Paul on this Damascus Road experience. If everybody knows his story, he was Saul of Tarsus. He persecuted. He thought he was doing the right thing because he was following the religious law, and he was going against everyone who went against the law that they had and the religion they had. So he was persecuting Christians, knocking down doors, dragging people out, watching them be stoned and, you know, treated harshly. And it was in that experience that along the way, he had what we call a Damascus Road experience. And he was on his way to persecute other Christians when Jesus Christ interrupted him. And you have to see the story. It's a beautiful story because what he does was he knocks him off his horse. Now, you mind it, if you rode a horse, there was something about you. There was a gallantry about you. There was a status about you. And Saul of Tarsus had this status. He was free. He wasn't like a people that were bound for any other reasons. He was a Roman citizen, which was the creme of the crop at that time. So he was able to move about freely and act in any way he wanted. And he had these warrants and these contracts and these death wishes for everybody that he ran into. But along the way, he met Jesus. Like some of us in this room have. 
we're on our way to do what we're going to do, and somehow God meets us, and he interrupts our plans, our ideas, our thoughts, where we thought we were going and what we were going to do, and he introduced himself to us. And I got to tell you, it wrecks you. It, it wrecks you. It, it, it begins to, to do things to you that you never thought could happen to you, and that's what happened to Saul, so much so that we had to change his name because he wasn't Saul anymore. And now he became Paul. It's real simple, right? Just positions, just drop the S, add the P, and there you are. You go from Saul to Paul, right? It's the same way. You drop, the, you drop a couple of letters, and you go from slave to being a servant. He was a slave to the law, and now became a servant to Christ. And what he was saying is, I received this message directly from Jesus. Now, mind you, a lot of people were skeptical because they didn't accept him right away. When he showed up to some of the places that he was showing up to, the Christians were, they were like, yo, wasn't that the guy that was killing us before? Should we close the door? Should we, like, bolt things? Should, you know, should we put the alarm system on? Should we do anything? Until he had to prove himself slowly by the stuff he was going through. What he was going through, he received this message that along the way he was going to have to suffer for the gospel. Some of us in this room don't want to gospel, you know, suffer, right? We, we, we want to skip all that. We want to get to the glory. We want, we want to experience the glory. We, we, want to, we, want, we want to be transfigured up on that mountain, you know? We, no, and God is saying there is going to be some suffering along the way. There's going to be some moments in your life in which you're going to experience something, but let me just tell you something. I am with you. The Bible is clear about what he said. So he received this message, and then the message he received was so powerful that he just says here, I didn't just want to talk about it. Right? It's a great song, and, it's, and it, I'm, not gonna, I'm probably going to butcher it because I'm not a singer. <laughs> okay, no, no. <laughs> but, but it says something like, I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. Anybody ever heard that song? I don't want to talk about you like I'm not, like you're not in the room. In other words, the song he was singing to God, and he was saying, I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room, like it's a secret. I want to shout it like the song says, from the mountain. I want to be able to share this great news that I've received. Why? Because it's bought me my salvation. It's bought me my freedom. It's bought me an opportunity to live this abundant life that I see people living and watch people living, and they'll see it on TV, and I say, I can't have that. And Jesus says, yes, I have come that you may have life and laugh more up. Abundantly. So if Christ came to do that, then we are to receive this message. But he goes on and says, I just don't want to talk about it. I'm tired of, of, of people who just want to talk about Jesus. Heck, he's not in the room. I want to talk about Jesus like he's present. I want, I want to introduce you to him. And what Paul says clearly in this, he says, listen, I received this message. And because I received this message, I didn't want to just talk about it. He says, it goes really, really clear. He says this. He says, I wanted to be in on it. Now, now that's a very, listen to the words there because you're playing with it. He says, I wanted to be in where you were. I wanted to meet you where you were. I, I want to bring it into these dark places. I want to be able to bring this message of light and hope into these places that are dark and therefore I want to be in it. I don't want to be about it. I just want to be in it. You know why? Because I want to see what God is going to do in this darkness. I want to see how that this light dispels darkness. I want to see the opportunity. Listen, we get a front row seat in this place. At least I do. To write the transformation of lives. I see people coming here all beat up and tall. What do you say from the floor up? Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you shared that with me. 
Keep coming back, Pastor Gus. Keep coming back. Okay. So I want to, I get a front row seat. And I can point to many people in this room who I've seen come through here. Come through all messed up, and now God is doing something marvelous in their lives. And, and, and you, you know, you see it gradually. It's not this, you know, big leap. Because that's scary, right? Those big leaps scare you. When someone takes a big leap and all of a sudden they're walking around, you know, Bible thumping, it scares you, right? But to see the gradual movement of God doing because the message that he brings is a message of life. It's a message of hope. It's a message of strength. It's a message of opportunity and access that we've never had before. Amen? Amen. And Paul did this. Paul mingled among people, but it was clear what he was doing. He wasn't becoming like them to win them. He was maintaining his relationship with God and being a light in the midst of darkness, but he understood them. He understood what they were going through. This is where we get an opportunity to say, to say me too. You know, you struggle with that? Me too. You've been? Me too. But let me tell you about the message that I received about when I was in the same condition that you were in. Let me help you identify what it is that you're going through. And what it is that you need so that you can come out of that darkness, you can come out of that place where you find yourself in the grips of something that you thought you would master, but it's mastered you. So it's important for us to realize that because of that, we become slaves to a master that shows us no pity. And this is why, listen to me, why we need a savior. Because we can't do it ourselves. A lot of us in this room probably have tried to save ourselves. Some of us are still trying to save ourselves. Some of us have come to religion thinking that religion is going to save us. It's Jesus that saves us. It's not religion. It's not what we offer here. We offer a relationship with the one who saves you. The one who saves you and empowers you so much so that he doesn't leave you. He says, I'm going to give you one like me to help you become like me. You didn't get that one. You get it on the way out. Right? But think about that. The Holy Spirit has come to do one thing and one thing only. It's transform you. Transform you. And he says, yeah, but I don't know if I want to change. I said, well, you better look around you. Look around you. Everybody around you is telling you you got to change. You see that show, Intervention? Yeah? We all watch it now, right? Everybody watches it. And you sit down and everybody gets it and says, yo, you got to do this, you got to do that. It's like, nah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. All right? It's important for us to understand that that's what the transformation is something that God wants to do in your life, and he does it through the work of the Holy Spirit and being in God's word. I don't know about you, but the fact that you're in this room and you're listening to something, you're responsible for what you heard. You can't leave here and say, I didn't know. Right? A lot of us use that excuse. I didn't know. I didn't know the money wasn't mine. I didn't know. I just saw it there. I picked it up. Well, you know, the car, the keys were in it. I don't know. It's not yours. Right? Like You can't say you don't know. Once you hear the gospel, once you read the word, you're responsible for what you hear. The age of irresponsibility is, is out the window. Once you hear the gospel, you have to be able to respond to it in a way that shows the transformation and the change in your life. And let it be gradual. Because I guarantee that as you go down, what's going to come out of that is better fruit than you trying to go up first. You, you got to get rooted. You got to get, you know, in, in the ground. You know, that when the storms of life come, you got to be able to hold on because at the end of the day, let me tell you something, it's not if they're going to come, it's when they come. 
It's not if. It's not like a question mark. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to have trouble at home. I don't know if my marriage is going to be great. I don't know if the kids are going to be okay. I don't know if financially I'm going to be in trouble. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, when it comes, if you are not rooted in God's word, you're going to sway. And this is why what Paul says some of us can't do because we're still weak in the flesh. So some of us want to go to a place and try to minister, but we can't go because we're not ready. Because Paul was clear about the message he had received. It had converted him. It had made him a new person that wanted now to serve Christ and serve Christ in such a way that he would carry the message in a credible way that people would be converted, saved, and begin to serve Christ. See, we're missing something, aren't we? Because we all who are in Christ should be serving in Christ. We should be serving one another. We should be serving in the local church. And there's no reason why the local church still is served by a dozen people. We had a meeting a couple of weeks ago that was advertised for a long time. As full as this room is now, if this is your home, you should have been there. We have a prayer service on Thursdays once a month. Oh, I can't make it. You mean you can't plan 30 days ahead to take that day off? Some of you already booked your flights. <laughs> you know? Some of you have already planned to go away somewhere. Right? Don't raise your hands. You don't have to tell me. But circle that date so that you could be present. You have a Saturday commitment once a month. Circle that day so that you can be there. Because it's all about the message and you growing in that message so that when you decide to venture out and use this scripture where you say, you know, to, I became all things to all people. No. You entered into their environment to be able to draw them out and give them this gift of the message that you have received. There is this great gift that a lot of us just don't understand and don't grasp. This thing about loving and this thing about forgiveness and this thing about walking with God. It's not an easy thing, but he, is, he knows this, and he gives you his Holy Spirit to be able to, you could do it. Now, I don't know about you. This love thing is crazy, right? We throw it out there. You got to love. You got to love. I don't want to love that person. <laughs> you know, is there nervous laughter? Are we identifying? Because I'm not the only one. Come on now. I see the bubble over your head. I can't stand that person, Pastor. Right? And, and someone asked a question the other day about it. You know, I was, I was a discipleship group that I'm, I'm in, and um, the person just asked a question. I said, yeah, but do I have to, do I have to love? And, and, and you have to be clear on something. You have to love because God is love. You can't say you love God and not love your brother, right? And then I just shared, I love people. I just don't like what they do. Can we agree on that? Right? Like you know now, knowing the little bit that you know, that that looks a little bit out of whack. That doesn't line up with what I'm supposed to be doing. So I love people. I just don't like what they do. So I don't tolerate it. I don't condone them. You know, I, I stop most of my conversations with no. <laughs> why, why are you saying no? You haven't even heard what I had to say. I said, just want to preempt it because I ain't going to say no, so just let me put it up front so that you know it's no. Right? And if someone goes on, then maybe we'll say yes later. But once you say no, it's like, oh, man, you know, don't give up. Just, you know, press in. Right? Paul is clear about what he wants to do. He wants to enter into this world, but he doesn't want to be transformed by the world. The Bible is clear that we're not to be conformed to this world. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, which is the entrance of God's word, because truth sets us free. It liberates us. 
It allows us the opportunity now to take a step back and not be in it, but be above it. We get a better view. Anybody ever been on a plane? You get a better view of things, right? You see the massive, you know, uh, things on the ground that you couldn't see before. And it's important for us to understand that what Paul is saying here is not for you now to go to minister to your alcoholic friends and have a beer with them. Not what it's saying. Oh, but I want to be all things to all people. You're going to be drunk and you're going to be in the street and we're not going to know who you are. That's a poor witness of the gospel. And the only way that people come to Christ is through the witness of those who profess Christ. It's by their testimony, by your testimony. And sometimes we say, yeah, but I'm not perfect. I know that. Stop using that. I know that. I can see it. You're not perfect. <laughs> we got that. So stop using that card. There's only one perfect one, but the perfect one wants to help you to become perfect. Not on this side, but on that side. And in the meantime, you walk through this process. You understand that you were met this way, but you shouldn't stay that way all the time because you're going to be a poor witness to the gospel. Therefore, no one's going to listen to what you're saying because you're not living it out. And it's really hard for you. It's like, you know, a father who tells his kid, you know, stop smoking. <sighs> Do me a favor. Stop smoking. Hey, go buy me a pack of cigarettes. Stop smoking. <laughs> We laugh, but that's our reality, isn't it? Right? And we have to be mindful that the message that we carry, what Paul is saying is, I went into this environment, but I understood what I was going into. He goes on and he lists all these people, the religious, the irreligious. The, I mean, he covered everybody. The moralist, the immoralist, because the moralist believes in this whole concept of the creation of God, and the creative of human beings and all that stuff. There is no God. There's only this and that. So he entered into that knowing how to minister to them because he knew the truth of the message that he had received. You don't work for your salvation. Your salvation is found in Christ. Once you have your salvation, you don't work for your salvation. Your salvation is in Christ. You work to glorify God. That's what we do. It's not working so God can love me more. I'm working so that the world can see his love through me. That's why we work. Because the truth of the matter is, you go, I'm saying, some of us go around saying, well, I'm saying sanctified and full with the Holy Ghost. You're full of something, but it's not the Holy Ghost. <laughs> because your, your, your life is not reflecting the message. So Paul enters into this world and he says, I want to be a servant. I want to serve them. I, I want to serve the people at my job so they can know. I say, why do you do what you do? I love Jesus. Right? I mean, someone that you're serving, right? They say, why, why, are you, why are you doing that? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Man, I got this message that I received directly from God that I am a child of God. And because I am a child of God, I'm supposed to act in a particular way. He says, ah, oh, but all Christians are hypocrites. Listen, I apologize for those hypocritical Christians. But I want you to know that as human beings, we're flawed. And we all have some hypocrisy to us. What I'm trying to do is take off the mask. What I'm trying to do is live like Christ as best I can. Am I there yet? No. No. I tell my kids at school, don't talk to me until I finish my tea. <laughs> and now they go around, because when they see me a little ornery, they say, he hasn't had his tea, leave him alone. <laughs> right? So, so, so it's, it's important for us to man, that God is working through you. And Paul is saying, listen, I want to make it clear to you. I received this message. I hung out with these people because I needed to deliver that message and draw them out of there. It's not for you. Listen to me. For those of us who are still not sure, don't go into environments in which we weren't able to 
distinguish between you and them. Do not go into an environment. <laughs> I had a brother who remained nameless who wanted to minister on the beach, and one day I caught him with shakes passing out tracks on the beach. I said, what are you doing here? I'm evangelizing. <laughs> right? I'm evangelizing. You're not ready to go into that environment. You shouldn't go into that environment because you're supposed to be light and darkness. The message Paul carried, he was sure because he was sure of who he was in Christ. Now, I want to read something from Acts. It's not going to be up there because it just came to me this morning. But it's a very powerful scripture in which Paul enters, again, this environment in which people were polytheistic. Everybody know what that is? Polytheistic, the, the word poly means many, theistic means God. Okay? So, so it's important for us to, to, to grasp what he's saying. He entered into this environment. And they had this, this hill set up in, in such a way that they had this hill and they had all these gods, statues of all these gods. And in one particular spot, imagine this wall with all these pockets and they have all these statues of gods. They worship all these gods. But there was a spot that was empty. And on it, it said, an unknown God. Now, Paul entering into this environment that he realized that these people he's trying to minister to ministered to all these gods. They brought sacrifices to all these gods. And they wanted to cover every single base. They wanted to make sure that they didn't miss a god because they didn't want to offend the god. The Greeks believed in not offending the gods. They believed if they offended the gods, they would be punished. Okay? How many of us know that our Heavenly Father is not a punishing God? Amen. How many of us know that he is about love? And, 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 and that's a tough thing because a lot of us don't feel love. We don't feel lovely. We don't feel worthy. Right? Uh, 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 society has defaced us and devalued us and marred us in such a way where sometimes we embrace the lie rather than the truth. And the truth is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. By a creator, he says, you're his masterpiece. And what he wants to do is he wants to show you off. But along the way, you've picked up some junk. You're not junk. Can we agree on that? Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and says, you're not junk. Okay? But, but, along the way, you've picked up some junk. And that drunk has transformed yourself into certain behaviors and contact and character flaws and defects. Call it what you want. But the message of God is that that's not who you are. This is who you are, what the word says about you. You're a gem. You're a jewel. You're my daughter. You're my son. You know, you're co-laborers and inheritors to the kingdom of God. You know, those are words that you have to be able to embrace. And, and Paul had that message, and he goes on to say, in this particular scripture, he says, hey, I know that God. You don't know that God? I know that God, he says. In this particular place, they had 12 major gods and many lesser gods. In Acts chapter 17, verse 23, I'm going to read it real briefly. It, it says this. It says, 
Paul standing before the council addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, again, he's in Athens. I noticed that you were very religious. For as I was walking along, I saw your many altars, and one of them had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. You have been worshiping him without knowing who he is. And now I wish to tell you about him. He, he, he got them. They made the mistake. They opened the door for him to bring forth the message. They had all these altars, but they missed the spot. They left an all, a door open for him to walk through and begin to speak in such a way. Look what it says. It says, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Woo. It says, he is Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands cannot serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need there is. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand which would rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. He's dropping it. Like he just laid it on them. You gave me that opening. You left that crack in the door. I'm walking through it. And I'm going to share the gospel. And that's what I mean about entering an environment in which it is darkness and bringing in light. You become like them. And the word become in Greek doesn't mean that you transform yourself like them. You enter into their existence. If you join a bowling league, right, the purpose for you joining a bowling league is to bowl. But the hope of bowling is to witness. It's to witness. It's to witness. You want to be able to go in, join this bowling league, make friends that will ask you, why you're not drinking beer? Why you're not hooting and hollering like everybody else? That's the crack in the door that you can walk through. Pause for a moment. Can we allow our Facebook pages to be an opportunity to witness? Because I'm concerned about some of your Facebook posts. I'm concerned about some of your Facebook pages. You know, the one with the pose <laughs> that we all have. Use this vehicle, this opportunity that God has given us not to fame yourself, but to fame Christ. Not to lift up yourself, but to lift up Christ. It's important for us to understand. So he goes on to say this. He said his purpose in all of this was that the nations to seek after God and perhaps, I love this part, this is a New Living Translation, feel their way toward him and find him though he is not far from any one of us. I'm going to read that again because I want you to see it now. Think about being in darkness. Think about trying to feel your way in darkness. Right? You ever like, you know, in a dark room, you put your hand against the wall and go slow so you don't stub your toe, right? Or bump into anything. So God is saying here, his purpose in all this was that the nation should seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. 
though he is not from any one of us. Right? For in him we live and move and exist. As one of your own poets says, look what he does. He throws right back at them what philosophy they have been reading. And he says, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's former ignorance about these things. What ignorance? Idols. Idols. All these idols. He's overlooked that in the past, but today he's addressing that. He's addressing the idols in our lives. He's letting them know that those things are made by hand and those things you can't worship them because they don't love you. They have eyes but don't see, ears but don't hear, and a mouth and don't speak, and arms that just stay at the side. They don't embrace you. So in the past, he's let that go, but today he is saying no more idols. No more idols. We need to smash those idols. So he enters into their world. They have nothing but idols. And he's saying, let me tell you something. God doesn't dwell in a temple. God insisted on dwelling in you. So think about how vital that is that you maintain this temple clean. Makes a message for another day. But since we went there and the door was open, just a little. Get my foot in the door. But think about that. God doesn't dwell in temples. He doesn't have any needs. So don't think that you're serving him. Right? Everybody thinks, oh, I got to do, I got to do it for God, I got to do it for God. He didn't ask you to do that. You do it on your own because you have a problem with your, you know, acceptance. You, you want to be accepted. You want people to see you. You're doing it for that reason. And that's your reward, by the way, if you're doing it for that reason. So be mindful of that. If you want accolades from people, then we applaud you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Right? We want to do it for the glory of God. That's what we want to do. Because the message that we carry is a real message. The message we carry is a message that sets people free brings healing and there's power in it and there's deliverance in it. We have a Savior who is alive and well and insisted on not just dwelling in the heavens but dwelling in you and me. So therefore, we need to clean house. And that's something that we have to do as well. The Holy Spirit begins to poke and prod and begins to point fingers and say, that's not how you're supposed to be. And you know what we say? Because we love talking back, don't we? That's how I am. That's how I am. No, that's how you've become. Remember I said he don't make junk? Remember I said you picked up junk? So we come to the cross and we're supposed to lay our junk down at the cross because of who he is. Paul speaks this message so powerfully. He says, I've overlooked that. For he set a day for judging the world with justice by, by the man he has appointed and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Who's he talking about? Jesus. Not only is he your savior, but one day he will be your judge. Like right now, he's your lawyer. Think about that. He's your lawyer. He's interceding for you and for me on a regular basis. Every now and then that we get accused of something, he steps in and says, Father, we're not finished with him yet. Let's not sentence him yet. We're not done with him. You know, we're still working. Look at the progress he's made. You know, look how he's getting better. Look how she's getting better. But that day will one day change. Now listen to me. You know that you have confidentiality, right? With your lawyer, right? He knows everything about you. If you're a good lawyer, you go in and say, listen, did you do it? Yeah, I did it. Okay, let's find a loophole to get you. Right? That's what lawyers do, right? 
because they know the Lord. Jesus is our advocate. He's an intercessor. He's our lawyer. But there's coming a day in which he will take off that lawyer outfit and become your judge. And it's not to judge you for your sin. It's to judge you for the truth that you knew. That white throne judgment is about you being saved and having to answer. How come that you knew this and you didn't do it? He says, wow. Now, it's funny because you're going to go up there thinking you got it. You know, you're going to roll up, boom, and also you're going to look at the judge and say, oh, it's Jesus. He knows everything about me. I can't lie. I can't, oh, man, what am I going to do here? You know what we do? We do what? We come clean. Even now, the message that we have is a message of power and strength. Paul walked into this environment it's not to become like them, but to carry this message that will liberate every person that received it. Every person that hears this message will be compelled to respond to it. The message has to be delivered in a credible way. You have to know why you believe what you believe. And let's don't say that because the Bible tells me so. That's a nursery rhyme. That's a nursery rhyme. Don't, don't you know, Jesus loves me because the Bible told me so. No, you have to know because you have to know. You have to be able to go to a scripture and another scripture and another scripture and says, hey, this is what God says about you and about me and about what we have, what opportunities we have, what access we have, what responsibilities we have. Paul did this. He became a servant to all so that he could win them because he understood the message that he had received. Have you received this message? Has everyone in this room received that message? Some of us, maybe, a few of us. Because I have. I know the sacrifice that was made for me at Calvary. I know why it was made. And it's because we had accumulated such a sin debt that the amount to pay it couldn't be paid with money. Couldn't be paid with silver and gold. It had to be paid with blood. And it had to be the blood of an innocent person. It had to be someone who was sinless. And God looked long and hard throughout history and found no one, so he had to come himself. And he revealed himself to humanity through becoming a man. And in becoming a man, he not only lived this life, but he died for us. I often think about how brutal that death must have been, and I think a lot of us don't envision or embrace the brutality of crucifixion and everything that led up to it. He took every lash, every slap, every punch, the thorns, because he had you in mind. He had me in mind. He had the whole world in mind because we were slaves to sin. And the wages of sin is death. And there was a place that would await us that would be of constant torment. For some of us who can't sleep now, imagine what hell is. There's no sleeping. For those who love to sleep, there's no sleeping. And the Bible describes it as a place of gnashing of teeth and constant torment. When you thought it was over, it would happen again. 
So compound whatever you think you're going through a hundred times, a thousand times, a million times over. That was the place that we were all destined to. And God realized that I didn't create that place for my people. And he sent his son to make a way to take the brunt of everything that we've experienced. This is the message now that Paul is bringing into those places. You don't have to live that way. That's the message you carry when you see someone who's suffering and struggling and hurting. You don't have to live that way. There is a joy that should be in you because of the message that you received. And I know sometimes you don't feel joyful, right? Your feelings overwhelm you, so you have to push through. The message that Paul is carrying is you don't have to be miserable all the time. You don't have to. You know, misery loves company, right? One miserable person finds another miserable person, and next thing you know, you're singing a song, right? I'm so lonely, right? We kind of go into that. But just be mindful that the message he's carrying is like, listen, there is this life that you can live. You can get up every morning experiencing the mercies of God every single morning. You you can inhale and feel a sense of life going on inside you because of Jesus. You find purpose. You find your place in serving for the glory of God. You give and you serve because you gave and you served your other master well. So why would we shortchange the King of kings and Lord of lords who died for us and not only that, resurrected his promise to come back to take us out of this place before things get worse? That's my hope. In the midst of all that's going on, I was having a conversation the other day about all the calamities that continue, earthquakes and all that stuff, and all I could think about was the scripture says that even the earth groans for the return of Christ. Because they remember how it was. It wasn't like it is now. These floods, all these earthquakes, and say, man, you know, we want God to come too because everything could be new again. This is the message that Paul carried. Listen to me. For some of us who feel that, oh, I got to go here and minister, and you're still weak, don't go. That's my advice to you. Don't go. And if you go, take someone with you. Because when you start waddling, he'll take you out. Right? You know, you're hanging out, and you say, yeah, I want to minister to my friends, and all of a sudden, I walk past you, and I'm like, oh, boy, that's not a person I know. It's no different. I don't go to places because I just can't go to places. I don't go. I just don't go. I don't go because I realize that in the midst of some of these things, you can get caught up in them. And you have to be mindful that you're going to carry this message in a credible way. And if you're not strong enough, bold enough, brave enough, empowered enough, you're going to be in trouble. Because God wants to show you off, but the enemy wants to humiliate you. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you know, you're a Christian, and now he'll put you on display as a humiliation. And he'll point to the world and say, look, that guy was a Christian. The guy was in church all the time. The guy, you know, and we have to be mindful of the message that we carry. Paul received this message, and he carried this message. As the team comes forward, I want us to be aware of something. Thank you. God is this amazing 
father that I can't even embrace because oftentimes I look at him through the lenses of my father. And I have to like slide out from underneath and say, God, that's not who you are. You are this awesome father. You know, you, even when he disciplines me, he disciplines me with a different thing in mind. It's to form this character within me to help me to walk in my calling. And all of us in this room, we have a calling on our lives. You know, it, it may not be up here, but all of us, we all have our pulpits. We do. We all have our pulpits at home, at the laundromat, wherever you are, you already have a place that God wants to place you to share this message, a place that maybe only you have access to. This good, good father does this for us. He meets us where we are. He accepts us and embraces us. And then he begins to do this marvelous thing. He begins to take off those clothes that don't fit you anymore. That attitude, that behavior, even changes your hairstyle. The light that comes out of you now, it's not dull anymore. There's this shine about you. It's in your eyes. And then you bend down to help someone who's hurting. And someone takes notice because you weren't like that before. What you did before, you did because you wanted to get something back. Now because you're overwhelmed by the message of all that was done for you, you serve because you're compelled to. It's your response to this love. So I want to ask you, has God been good to you? Has God been good to you? Because any, any moment above ground <laughs> is good. If you're not in an institution, you're good. But then there are other things. They say, yeah, but I'm going through this, I'm going through that. Yeah, but he's with you. You're not at it alone anymore. You have a community around you. You have people that are constantly supporting you and just asking you to just trust God. Just hold on a little longer. Maybe you're in this room and you're going through something right now and you're thinking, man, I don't know if I can hold on. I'm just slipping. <coughs> I'm here to encourage you today to tie another knot on that rope and hold on because help is on its way. God is not man that he would lie. He's made a promise to keep you, to provide for you, to strengthen you, to comfort you. He says, when you're weak, my strength is perfected in you. He says, when you're confused, I can bring clarity of mind. When you're lost, listen, there's a path I've set for you. And if we can just sit still and just trust God for those moments in our life that it doesn't seem like the cloud is going to lift or, or, or you know, something's going to happen. All I know is help's coming. Because help's coming, I'm just going to be still and I'm going to trust God because this is the message that I've received. The message I received is that God is faithful to his promises. So I grab a hold of that promise and say, God, you have reminded me that the righteous will never be found begging for bread. 
So what I need, you will provide. Lord, I'm not asking you to be so rich that I will forget you. But don't let me be so poor that I don't even cry out to you. So Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ. For everyone in this room, Lord, that was drawn to this place to hear this message. That they will be reminded of this simple truth. That there is a God who loves them, meets them where they are, but loves them so much it doesn't leave them there. There is a God who insists, insists on the idols that we serve, serve us no purpose. And that our purpose in life is found in the God who created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it. So I ask you right now in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would just move through this room with every head bow and eye closed, Lord, that we will begin just to thank you. Thank you for your magnificence. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for our healing. Thank you, Lord, that you saw fit to love us and continue to love us even when we're unlovable that you continue to just pour and shower your love upon us. Lord, let it overwhelm us. Let us take it to our knees, oh God. Lord, thank you. Lord, as we just worship you right now, Lord, with no movement and no interruptions, just allow your Holy Spirit to wash over us. Stir up inside us a desperate need for you more than anything else. Oh, Lord, we need you. We need you, Lord. Hallelujah. We need more and more and more of you, Lord. Less of this world, less of us. There are people, Lord, that are still enslaved by a master that is brutal. And we pray, Lord, that you would empower us and allow us, Lord, to engage, to bring forth a message into dark places, Lord. To be able to be the message, oftentimes it's not what we say, but how we live. So, Lord, I thank you for moments like this where we can gather in this room to praise the one and only God who revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ. If we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. So, Lord, thank you once again for allowing us to be in this place. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said...